because everybody can bears different things. But believe me, I've questioned is okay, you know, how what where's the line, Jesus? <laughs> you know, so where is the line? But one thing that I've been able to do no matter what, and, and I know that I couldn't get through and been able to go through a lot of the things that we've went through, that we've went through together, uh, if I didn't have the belief in Jesus Christ, I just wouldn't be able to. That's all there is to it. So whatever that, wherever that line is for you, and if when you're in that situation and you're wondering, okay, God, how much can I take? then you need to know that he's there, for one. And uh, you just got to hold on. The stars in this place are deep and dark-laced With so much emotion What can I do? Cause I feel them too They're as deep as the ocean I've been trying to find That place in your mind That I could sneak into Bad times that we've faced Cannot be erased But we can hold good thing hold on to this love hold on till the next spring hold on to the promise he made baby hold on first met I wouldn't have bet this road would be so rough the world keeps throwing us stones but we're never alone if we can hold on if you can hold on to me I will hold to you hold on to this good thing hold on to this love hold on till the next spring hold on to the promise he made There's many bad things that we have to get through. A 
lot of good things that I'm holding on to. And one of them is you. Hold on to the good thing. Hold on to this love. Hold on till the next spring. Hold on to the promise he made. I want to say uh, that uh, the song that you heard this morning, we should have introduced a little better than we did. Um, Rick, uh, Rick wrote that song, and um, you've heard me say before um, that I don't have the gift of faith. The Bible says that um, faith um, is a gift, and there's a lot of gifts that God gives us. Some He gives some gifts, and some He gives other gifts, and some He just flat don't give gifts. <laughs> Um, I mean, he gives everybody gifts, but there's some gifts he just doesn't give me, you know what I'm saying? And one of those gifts is faith. I, I have to struggle for my faith. Um, and I think it makes me a better preacher, honestly, and I think that's probably why God did that um, with my life. And, and there are some things that strengthen my faith. Um, and as I've grown, grown older and I've grown in, in my faith, it's getting easier. And I hope that someday it'll become even easier and it just gets easier as I get older. But there are some things I hold on to when my faith is waning um, that really helps. And i got to tell you this morning, that song is one of those things. The song is great, like all your songs are, but it really ain't the song. Um, the fact that you can sing that song, that those lyrics come out of your heart, strengthens my faith. Because there's only one place those lyrics come from, and that's the creator of the universe. And uh, I'm thankful that you shared them with us today. And I'm hoping that today it strengthens your faith to hold on. If I'd have known you were preaching that song, and I mean preaching that song, my sermon would have been shorter. Um, too bad. Uh, <laughs> you'll never know, will you? <laughs> oh, man, I love you guys. And uh, I, when, when I talk about doing life together, we talk about this a lot. We talk about this a lot. That, that what God intends for us to do is to do life together. We're not doing it all the time. We're not doing it the way God wants us to yet as a church. But we're doing better all the time. We're growing. And when I talk about doing life together, that's what I mean. <laughs> that, that he can come in and they can come in and they can, they can go through the junk. And we've gone through it with them in a lot of ways. And then to come away from that, we all just feel this deep breath. And, and, and I'm hoping today that you get um, a little strength from that. 
I also have been praying for you all week. Um, this has been a crazy week. I, I actually got up. My alarm went off at 3.08 this morning. Um, I, uh, my wife's 40th birthday is this year. And, um, you know, I don't have much money, but I, I travel all the time for my job. And so I've been saving my miles, my airline miles, my hotel, everything I can save, I've been saving and not spending any of my miles. And for her 40th birthday, I got her a trip to Cancun with my miles. Yes. So um, my mom and dad have the... Uh, yeah. My mom and dad have the kids right now. She called her friends from college, and they are on their way to Cancun. And I'm ha- going to have my kids alone this week. Um, yeah. I'm going to appreciate Risha even much more when she gets back, but... Um, so I'm exhausted. It's been crazy kind of getting ready for that. And I've got to be honest with you, I, I, I don't say stuff like this very often because I think preachers say this a lot um, and it becomes over-spiritualized. But I believe the message that I have today um, is the most important message you'll ever hear. Not because I'm preaching it. In fact, I've been praying all morning that, I would be, that God would kind of kick me out today. <laughs> That, that he would just speak right through me. I'm tired. It's been a long week. And I believe that the, that the enemy would love for me to just kind of mail this one in. You know? Um, this is the turning point of the story. Actually, in, in some ways, this is the purpose of the story. And so before we move any further today in our service, here's what I want to pray. All of us in this place have had this story messed up for us. All of us. Every single last one of you. Have, have had this story of Jesus Christ messed up in some way or the other. Those of us who are Christians and who grew up in church um, have had this messed up by rules, by somebody at some point in our life who probably wanted to control us by a fear of God. We've had this messed up by religion. We've had this messed up by people who live next to us who have a Jesus fish on the back of their car but don't live like anything I want to be a part of. We've had the story of Jesus messed up for us. And if I'm not careful today, I'll mess it up again. Because the, the whole nature of people is that we mess the story up. We get it wrong, it seems too good to be true, and so we twist it, we turn it, we use it. And today what I'm praying, and by the way, you, we had some people come in this morning at 9.30 to pray this too, and they've already prayed this over the room, and I'm so thankful for those who were here praying early. They've been praying that I would, that my life and that me and that my message would not get screwed up today and that your heart and your life wouldn't mess this message up today. Because this, if you get it, is the most important thing you'll ever hear in your life. Okay, that's the introduction. So let's pray together and then uh, we're going to jump right in. God, we give you thanks for the way you love us. We thank you for the, just the two words, hold on. And everything that means that we can hold on to you, that we can hold on to each other, that in a world that is screwed up, in a world that treats us bad, in a world where there's pain and sickness and, and gross stuff and consequences and messed up world, that if we just hold on, thank you for that message today. And in the midst of it, God... I pray that you would make this sermon clear, maybe more clear than any sermon I've ever preached, that the, the word Jesus, that the point of the story 
would be absolutely clear in our hearts and in our minds as we walk away from this place. And if we walk away from here today rejecting Jesus, we'll, we'll know what we're rejecting. And if we walk away today accepting Jesus, we'll understand what it means to be yours. That is a lot to do in a half hour. And I'm praying that you work a miracle right through this stage this morning and through a guy who doesn't belong up here. So would you speak through my heart and my mouth today and make this message clear in your son's name. Amen. So if you just kind of staggered in here, this first time you've been here, or you haven't kind of seen what we're doing, we're doing a series called The Story. And basically what we're doing is we're trying to get a glimpse, trying to get an understanding of the entire picture of, in, in the entire history of the world. <laughs> That's hard. But what we're trying to do is take the Bible, which is, we've admitted is confusing and hard for us to read at times, and we've got this book called The Story. There's a picture of it. Um, come see me if you need a copy. We've got five on order. Um, they should be here um, next week, so I've got a few of them reserved, but I may need to order some more. I had a couple more people today want them. Um, so, it, but th- this book is basically taking the story in chronological order from beginning to end, and we're taking it one chapter at a time. And we've been doing this um, since the fall of 2012. It is the long and ser- longest sermon series I've ever preached. And what we've done is, is up till now, I, I want you to kind of hear where we've been up till now. Those of you who haven't read all the chapters, we're on chapter 22 today. If you haven't read all the chapters, it's okay, okay? If you have read all the chapters, you're in a minority, I'm telling you. Um, I have, because I'm preaching them. <laughs> but I may be one of the only ones today. And uh, the truth is, uh, what I want to do is I, I want you to hear the crux of the story up till now because it is so important to what we're about to hear today. And here it is. Next slide there. First of all, I'm going to go through this really fast. This is the history of the world up till Jesus, okay? I'm going to go through this in four minutes. I've practiced it. God creates everything. Everything you see. Everything in the world. We went fishing with my son, Reese, yesterday, and um, we caught so many crappie. It was a miracle. I mean, it was like right over the boat. That wasn't part of my thing. It was crazy. We caught so many, so many fish yesterday, and in the midst of it, there is this miracle moment. And if you're a fisherman, you know what I mean. When you're catching fish after fish after fish and your arms hurt, you feel like God is real. You know? <laughs> There's nothing else you need. And Reese was feeling it, and we were looking around, and he said, Dad, who created the trees? And he knows who created the trees. He just wanted to hear it. God created the trees. Dad, who created the crappie? He knows who created the crappie. He just wanted to hear it. God created the crappie. Who created the water? He knows who created the water. And he kept asking me, and I kept telling him, and I kept getting louder and louder and louder, and the people across the lake from us thought we were idiots, and we a little bit are, because we are so in love with the Creator. And the story of creation we get from the very beginning. And if you've missed that, come find me, because it is one of the most amazing stories you'll ever hear. God didn't have to go to Lowe's. He just spoke things into existence and made them. It was amazing. And we get that story. And from there, we get a world like you want it to be. When God created everything, he created people, and the world was like you want your world to be. 100% peace all the time. You know that feeling you have sometimes that goes away and you're like grasping at it? That peace feeling, it was like that everywhere. It was all the time. It never went away. There was joy that was growing on trees. <laughs> if you needed to be happy, you just go around and pick one. That's, I need some joy. My, okay, here's one. It just everywhere you went, people walked and talked. Adam and Eve walked and talked with God. 
Those of you who struggle with faith like I do, you know what a miracle that would be in your life to get to speak to the creator of the universe anytime you want to and have him speak back and walk with you. We we talk about that a lot, but literally this was happening. Everything was the way it was supposed to be. All the feelings that you want in your life were in existence at the beginning when Adam and Eve were here. And sin entered the world. Now sin sounds like a churchy term. It's a Bible word that means something happened where people began to do what they wanted to do in spite of what they needed to do to become happy, to have joy, to have peace, to have hope. They knew what God had said would lead to those things, and they chose their own way anyway. happens around you. It's in the pew next to you. It's in you, and if you don't think it is, you're just kidding yourself. This is in us. It's sin nature. It's this feeling. It's this, this problem that we have. It is the reason that peace and hope and joy aren't constant in your life. Sin is the reason you can't go to a tree and pick off a little joy fruit. It can't happen anymore. It separated people from God. And that started, honestly, that is the beginning of our story today. That started a brokenness that entered the world that broke God's heart and that broke people's heart. God and people both feel this brokenness that comes from sin. In fact, later on down the road, a guy named Paul would say he still struggles with this, and and you do too if you're honest with it, and I do too, where Paul says, I do what I want to do, or I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do, and all of it, there's this constant struggle in me. If you feel that, if you are promising yourself doggone it, I'm done smoking, I'm never going to do it again, and I want to stop, and my family needs me to stop, and by Monday morning, you're back on it. And you go, where did this come from? This is, this is me doing what I don't want to do. It separates people from God. It separates people from God. People get too far from God at, at one point in this history. Finally, the, the earth is populated with people and just sort of a small fragment of people. Um, and all these people are so far from God, they perpetuate themselves. And this is what happens with families, and it still does. A family grows up, and they have a view of God, and they have an understanding of what God teaches, and they teach it to their kids, and their kids perpetuate it, and their kids teach their kids, and their teach kids, and pretty soon there is just this awful feeling and an incredible distance between people and God, and God says, I've got to start over. So he sends a flood, and some people believe it covered the entire earth. The Bible says that it, in English it says that it covered the entire earth, but in the original language we think it kind of just means it covered everything where there were people, which, by the way, at that point in history was a small part of the world. Okay? And water covered all the parts where there were people and where there were animals at that point. God said to a man named Noah, I'm going I'm to create people again out of you and your family, not because Noah was a great guy. In fact, He's a pretty messed up dude, just like everybody else. But he had this faith in God, and God said, I'm going to use you to do this. The people, his family built this boat, and you've seen the pictures, and we've tried to make it not fairy tale. There were animals. God said, get animals, all the animals you can find, two of each, and and get them on this boat. And they all got on the boat, and when the rain stopped, they began again to try to follow God. And immediately, as soon as they stopped off the boat, Moses screwed up immediately. You know why? Because that's who we are. It's in us. It happened in the Garden of Eden. It's in us. Sin is in us. But guess what? It's who we are. It's not who we were created to be. God intends for us to be back 
to where he had us. And when he put Noah back on that dry ground and started over, that was the beginning of starting you over. God, here's the thing we learn about God through the story so far, is that there's some things that God really wants. And here's the thing about God. Don't ever forget this. If God wants it, God's going to get it. God always gets what God wants. God wants people to be who they were intended to be, and they will be once again. And we start to see this foreshadowing, which I learned the word in junior high. This is a perfect foreshadowing. We see God start to kind of put this thing in existence in people where he goes, I know you're broken, but it's not going to be like this forever. I know the world is distant from me, but it's not always going to be like this. People get too far. God starts with a whole new group of people. And he says to this group of people, I'm choosing you, not because you're good. In fact, the group of people that God chooses to, to be his people in the world at that point, the, the world has got kings and it's got, they're fighting each other and there's lack of peace and it sound familiar? And nothing's changed really. And God points out a group of people and he says, I want you guys to follow the things that Adam and Eve followed from the beginning. I want you to have that feeling with me. I want you to be close to me. I'm going to be your people. You're going to be, I, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. You're going to do life with peace and hope and joy because you do life with with the stream of the way I intended life to be done. Everybody else has crossed the stream. You're going to live differently. And you know what God does? It's so cool. This is, a whole, this is a big part of the story. God says, I'm going to choose a group of people. And if you were choosing a group of people to represent you in the world, wouldn't you choose the smart people, the pretty people? Wouldn't you choose the kings? Wouldn't you choose a group of people who, who had the guys who had the barrel chests, you know, the big, strong, tough guys? I've always wanted to be one of those guys. And wouldn't you choose one of, the, one of the groups of people who were really brilliant? I always wanted to be one of those too. Wouldn't you choose one of the rich people? Like the, the group of people who just had a knack for making money. I always wanted to be one of those. Here's the good news for me. God didn't choose any of them. He chose a group of slaves who had been treated like dogs. He chose the lowest on earth at that point. He chose a group of people who were so enslaved that their kids had no identity other than a slave. Their families didn't know who they were other than property of someone else. God said, you're my people. And they went, <laughs> we're not anybody's people. We're, we're the, we are owned by our owners and that's the people that we are. And God said, I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to break you out of slavery in this incredible story that people are still celebrating today. The Jews, the Israelites, come out of Egypt and God rescues them. The oceans open up. And by the way, there's historical evidence. I told you I have a faith problem, so I dig out those things. There's historical evidence for the sea parting and people crossing on it. And then the sea collapses on people and the Israelites turn around and go, I believe this is true. I believe God's who he says he is and that he wants us. So God goes up to a mountain and he says to them, there are ten things. If you live life like this, you will be different. You will have the hope, the peace, the joy. You'll have those things. You'll have those in in greater demand. And the people in the world around you will look at what you're doing and they won't say those are great people, will they? They'll say their God is incredible. That God is real. That's the intent of these people. But they keep struggling with the same thing that Adam and Eve struggled with that broke everything. 
They keep struggling with that same thing that you and I struggle with that breaks the peace and hope and joy that we want. It's this thing. We know what we're supposed to do, and we cannot do it. Our body moves us in another direction. Our heart and our mind gravitates towards one more drink, towards that girl, towards this instead of that. And it happens to the people that God chooses over and over and over again. And we see this tension. And if you're like me, and you have the faith thing a little bit, and you read the Bible, and you just want to read it for history, and you just want to see what this is, you look at it and you go, you get this knot in your stomach like, oh, God God is like opening up the earth, and people are falling in it <laughs> because they're sinning. That's not grace to me. Where, that's not what I was sold on with God, you know? And every now and then you hear a story where God destroys an entire village of his people, kids, that to me don't deserve it. And God begins to say, this is the consequences. And people need to understand when you, when you don't, when you walk away from God, when you look God in the face, you see what's right and you intentionally choose. It doesn't affect just you. You think today you're sitting there and the decision you make about Jesus, and by the way, everybody in this place today, I'm praying, makes something. Yes or no, but gets it today. Whatever you make today, it doesn't affect just you. God says that to the Israelites by, in some really hard ways. And this tension grows in the Old Testament to the point where I almost can't take it. As a preacher, there are times, I'm just being real honest with you today. Nobody's fired me yet over that, yet. But there are times where I'm reading the Bible and go, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can preach this. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, this God scares me. This is not the God that I, I, I prefer. <laughs> and as we've gone through, we've said this about God, and, and I've talked to you about this with my dad, and I'm hoping you guys caught some of this, that, that when I was a kid, my dad was like the God of the Old Testament. Man, I had a little problem with lying, and my dad was not going to have it. And there was, the ground was opening up in my house. And I was grounded and I was messed up and my dad was loud and he was angry and he seemed unfair. And he wanted the consequences of the way I was choosing to do things in my life to be so grave that no matter how I felt about him, I would never go back to those. You see that? Now I'm into the point in my life where I think that was a different guy. My dad cries like that now. I haven't heard him raise his voice other than to praise my kids since I was 18. He really hasn't needed to. It's not, who, it's not that stage anymore. And so now we're in this place where we look at God and we, we see that stage where the human history needed a God who was going to open up the earth to show them how far they had gotten from him and how grave the consequences were for that. Man, i got to get going here. Holy cow. God frees his people. God promises their land. Yeah, four minutes. What happened to that? People were... <laughs> People waver in their faith. They start to waver in their faith. God disciplines them, but he doesn't waver. He doesn't change. God continues to be who he is. Sin causes more brokenness, and this is the story. It gets more and more and more tense, and then we hear the last book of the Old Testament, and then we have 400 years. This was last week. Not that 400 years, but this was in our sermon series last week. 400 years where God seems to be silent in terms of his words. And we talked about how sometimes God seems silent in our life, but he's always doing something we just can't see. And that's what he was doing. And he was preparing us 
for the best news in history. And it looks like this. Next slide. Well, this is what we've made it look like. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The nativity scene, even if you're not a church person, you know the story of Jesus that came into the world. And this is what we've done to it. You can see this is, this is pretty typical of the nativity scene. This is what we put out at our houses at Christmas. This is what says Jesus is the reason for the season on it somewhere, you know. And we, we make up this cartoon-looking thing. And I just want you to look at this for a second. You got, you got uh, the, the, the shepherd over here. Um, I want you to know at this point in history that shepherds were the lowest of the low. You couldn't go get a shower whenever you needed to. And even those who were clean were pretty still dirty in our time. A shepherd, sometimes he was in front of the sheep, but most of the time he was walking behind the sheep. You know what I mean? He was, smelled awful. He looked awful. A shepherd never looked like that, I promise you, ever. These, this was gross. Then look at these animals. Have you, I don't have a dog that acts like that. Animals didn't act like that. They just seemed so pristine. Then look at Mary. You see the glow on Mary? Now, women who have had a baby, if you had a baby in a barn without an epidural, would you have a nice glow about you? <laughs> women go, that ain't the story. I'm telling you. This is not real. And look at Jesus. Even the baby Jesus. Do you know how many children are born in the Middle East with blonde hair? It ain't real. It just ain't real. And this is what we do to the story of Jesus. I started my sermon by saying we have screwed up this story. This is part of it. It's become a cartoon. It's become a myth. It's not even a good myth. You know, myths have a point. They have a... a you know, a good reason, a moral to the story. I don't even know what the moral to this story as you see it is. Always make reservations? I mean, I, I don't know what the story is here, but this is not a good myth. It's, it's an ugly cartoon. And I, I got to tell you, if, if this is your picture of Jesus today, I'm hoping that it shatters on the floor in this building because this isn't the story. So you'll see my little point here next. Matt and Luke save Christmas. Two guys named Matthew and Luke, they write in the Bible, and this is part of what we, what we read this week. Matthew and Luke are two guys um, who wrote what the Bible calls the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four books of the Bible. In fact, there's a book called The Harmony of the Gospels. If you have struggle with faith like I do, pick this book up. It's amazing. These four guys who didn't sit in the same room and write these stories, and they didn't sit and go, what do you think happened? What do you think happened? They wrote all the stories, and these stories match up perfectly. It's amazing. There wasn't CNN at this time. These guys didn't spend their lives with each other, and they wrote these stories, and the Harmony of the Gospels shows how they match up. It's amazing. Matthew was a guy who knew Jesus. Matthew walked with Jesus. In fact, Matthew was a tax collector. He was the worst of the worst at the time. And Jesus spoke into his life and changed who he was. And Matthew says, I'm tired of people making up stories about this Jesus. Already, that he was a contemporary of Jesus. And by the time he wrote this, there were already people who were starting to cartoon the story of Jesus. There were already people who were trying to make it too good to be true. And Matthew says, look at this, Matthew chapter 1, he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And he goes on to tell this long list of people. Have you ever read this in Matthew chapter 1, 1? You probably haven't. You've probably read three or four names and then skipped. Blah, 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 blah. We skip it. It's not important to us. This was huge to Matthew. You know why? Because here's what Matthew says. This Jesus was a real dude. He had skin on him. He was a real person. His dad was this guy, whose dad was this guy, whose dad was this guy. The word begot. 
His dad was this guy. He begot this guy. He begot this guy. This is enormous. You can skip this over in your Bible, but make sure you read this into it. That Matthew wanted you to know this was a real dude with real skin who really walked the earth. And I can trace back all the way back to this dude. Thus, there were 14 generations in all from Abraham to David. 14 from David to the exile of Babylon. And 14 from the exile to the Messiah. He is saying, you, if you don't believe me... Don't go look at a painting. Don't cartoonize this thing. You can go back and talk to every single family that Jesus connected to. This was a real guy. Luke says this. Lucas gets so tired. Now, Luke didn't know Jesus. He wasn't face-to-face with Jesus um, at this point, but he knew Mary, okay? And, man, Mary was a different kind of person. In fact, there's an entire religion, uh, religion based off of Mary. You know, Catholics are intent on Mary, and they have it right about Mary. She was an amazing woman. There's some things I'm not totally in agreement with with them. But I can tell you, she was an amazing woman. And it changed, Mary partially changed Luke's life. And knowing Mary, Luke said, I have got to tell this story. I I resonate with Luke because today, this is the fire in my bones for this message today. We've screwed this up. And Luke says, too many people are messing up the story of Jesus. Here's what happened. In fact, he says, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. Basically, that's a Bible way of saying, you guys have been screwing this story up. So here it is. Here's what happened. Just as they were handed down to us by those from the first, wor- first eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, he's writing to a specific person, he says this, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know, for those of you who struggle like I do, for you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This is what happened. Matthew and Luke saved the story. And if you read the Bible, you know that basically what happens after that is that Luke says, this man named Joseph, he, he is pledged to be married to a woman named Mary. And when we say woman, we think of 19, 20, 25, 27. Mary was probably 14, okay? Very, very young woman. Nothing special about Mary, In fact, I think it's one of the things that made her so special to God. God chose Mary and Joseph, and and Luke says there was this guy who was pledged to be married to this woman, and she became pregnant. And at that point in history, you get pregnant out of wedlock, especially if you're a woman, you're done. You're out. You're gone, especially in that community. You're you're history. And Joseph planned to divorce her quietly. That's what the Bible says. And then Luke says some things that are amazing, and he, he, he wants to anchor this in history. So he says, at that time, Caesar Augustus issued this law, this decree, that a census should be taken. Okay, so everybody's got to figure out who belongs to who in the entire Roman world. And then he says this. I, this is great. This is for guys like me. He looks and he says, this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So if you go back to the history books, you'll find out that there was a man named Quirinius, they said it better than I do, um, who, who was a governor of Syria at that point, and he had two censuses during his governorship. And basically Luke is saying, don't get these confused, I want you to pinpoint the day, this is when it happened. He's anchoring this to history, fables don't do that, stories don't do that, history does. He's anchoring it to history. It's amazing. And he says these, so Joseph took Mary back to her hometown, back to their hometown to register, because that's what you did at that point. 
And when they did, they, they began to realize that this was even bigger than they, they thought. An angel came to Mary, and she said, you're going to be with child, and you've heard this all part of the story. If you've been reading the Bible, or you've been watching the Bible series on, on the History Channel, you, it's pretty amazing the, the way they depict this. But an angel comes to Mary and says, you're, you're going to have a baby. And Mary goes, how can that be? I've never been with a man. And the angel said, this is the Lord's baby. And then she has to go to Joseph and say, I'm going to have a baby. And Joseph's first thought is not that this is the Lord's baby. It's just natural. And it takes him a while. And if you saw the way the History Channel depicted this, it was awesome. He finally comes back to her and he says, I believe you. And together, they make a journey back to their hometown to register. It's an amazing thing. And in this story, there's a group of people that, that God uses to, com- to, to tell the story of Jesus that I believe give us some insight into what God intended for it. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. This is where we get the best news ever. Look at this. Luke 2, chapter, eight, um, or chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood. They had set night watches over their sheep. Suddenly, God's angel stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. Now, I I want you to put yourself in God's shoes just for a second. Don't do that a lot, but put yourself in God's shoes just for a second. You're going to give the best news to the world that's ever been given. This is the message of the entire history of the world. This is the story. Wouldn't you go to a king? Wouldn't you go to, like, the producer of CNN? Wouldn't you go to somebody rich, somebody who had uh, wealth, somebody who had influence in the community? God goes, no, I, I, I want the shepherds. Angels, I can imagine the angels going, God, I think I got the GPS address wrong for this. You know, I'm following my GPS, and they took me out to the field where the shepherds are. That's not where you want this message, right? Google Maps did it to me again. And God goes, no, I want the shepherds to hear this first. The angel probably thought, you mean the lowest of humanity? The guys who smell, the guys who are least thought of, the liars, the messed up people, those are the ones? God goes, yes, and there's a good reason for it. They were terrified. The angel said, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody. i got to stop there in this story because this is the best news of all. Up until now in our story, the, the grace of God, the grace of God was picking a group of people on the earth and saying, I choose you. What if you're not in that group? At this point in history, if you weren't in that group, you're out. You're outside of God. If you weren't in that group, there's no way for you to get inside. There's no way for you to get to God. So here's the message. It's not that a baby was born, especially a blonde-haired little baby. It's not that there's a baby born. That's not the message. The message is that the grace of God is now for everybody. Not exclusive. No more. And to prove that, he included people named Elizabeth and Zachariah. I don't know if you've heard about Elizabeth and Zachariah. I don't have time to tell you the whole story. Amazing people who grew to be very old and had tried to have children over and over. And at that point in history, if you couldn't have children by a certain age, you were thought of as cursed by God. Elizabeth and Zachariah thought that they had been cursed by God that they were as far from God as they could be, and that he had, they'd somehow lost favor with him and they'd been cursed by him because they couldn't have a baby. God included them, and here's what he said. He said, you're going to have a baby. And they went, yeah, right. 
And it, it, finally, Elizabeth, or, uh, Zachariah kept saying, yeah, right, to God when he said he'd have a baby, that God shut his mouth, completely zipped zipper over his mouth, shut his mouth, and he said, until the baby is born, you won't say another word. Now, Zechariah was a priest. And just let me tell you about us preachers. Nine months without talking is torture. He would have been tortured. He had a zipper over his mouth for nine months, and God kept saying to him, when Elizabeth has the baby, you're going to name the baby John. He would be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus. Some people thought he was the Messiah. He was so weird, and he was so amazing, and he did such incredible things. They thought he was Jesus. He had to keep telling people, I'm not Jesus. I'm just the one that's going to tell you about him. So Zechariah, nine months, he waited for John to be born, and God kept saying, you're going to name him John. You're going to name him John. You're going to name him John, but he couldn't say it. And it was driving him nuts. He was so excited for what John was going to be. And his faith was growing. The baby was born. And they raised him up. And somebody said, what should we name him? And Zachariah goes, zip, John! (laughs) That was the first words he spoke. What an incredible, stinking, amazing story. These people who weren't allowed to have children. They just, they're too old. They have the forerunner of Jesus. You know what this means? For all people. So if you today feel like Elizabeth... And Zechariah, cursed by God. Nothing goes right in my life. It's not fair. So far from God, I feel cursed. Guess what? You are the story. This is where you enter your book. You know what I wrote? You should see my book. It's just written. It looks like I wrote most of it. It's ridiculous. I got stuff written all over it. And here I wrote in big letters, this is where... Mick, I have your name in my book. This is where Mick enters God's story. And I have Susie. This is where Susie. I have about 35 names. And by the way, you're all in there. I just can't remember all of them. (laughs) This is where you enter the book. You didn't get royalties for it. You didn't get paid for it. But this is, you're in it. Because this is where God says, all, everybody. And you go, yeah, but not me. You don't understand how far I am from God. You know what? Part of this story is a man named Herod, who is so wrapped up in his stuff, he's so screwed up, he is so messed up as a man that he, has, he is so scared that Jesus is going to be the new king that he has all the babies that are Jesus' age killed, all of them killed, just to keep him from being king. Guess who, guess who Jesus is for? Guess who the grace is for? For Herod. Herod is part of the story. And I know that there are Herods in this place that feel so far from God. And you go, John, you don't understand how deep it is for me. You don't understand how far I am. I want you to know that the good news is better than you think. It's better than being for religious people who seem like they have it together. The good news is for everyone. And this is where we've screwed it up because it can't be, can it? How can it be? How can it be for those guys that are in prison today? How can it be? That this message, all the stuff they've done in their life, that this message, this grace, this hope, this joy, all they have to do is reach out and get it. Isn't that too good to be true? This is where we've screwed it up and we make rules. This is where religion comes in and goes, well, it's not really that easy. But all that is a lie. Because the good news, the angel says the good news is that this is for all people. People like Elizabeth and Zechariah. People like Mary. People like Caesar. People that live in a dirty barn, and I've been to some of our houses around here. My house looks like a dirty barn. People that are irreligious like the shepherds. 
In fact, these are the very people that God chooses to tell the message to first, so nobody's confused. The announcement comes for all. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger. It's for everyone. I think one of the things that God hates most in our culture, it's not gay, lesbian marriage. I don't know about that, but I don't think it's on top of God's list. One of the things that God hates most in our culture, it's not the Democrats. I don't know about that, but it's not top on his list. It's not the Republicans. I don't know about that, but it's not the top on his list. One of the things that God hates most in this life, and Jesus has said it when he was here, is religious people who make up rules for something God didn't make up rules for. And Jesus is the proof. Some of you have been making up your own rules. And here's the funny thing about that. You can't even live by your own rules. Next slide. Luke chapter 2 verse 9 says this, I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. It's meant for Elizabeth and Zachariah. It's meant for the shepherds, these outsiders. It's meant for Caesar Augustus, who by the way, Caesar Augustus, when you see that in the Bible, Caesar Augustus, I'm I'm almost done, but Caesar Augustus was a man who was basically the the head of everything at this point. He was the Caesar. He was the the Roman um, leader at this point. His dad was Julius Caesar who was thought of as a god. They called him God, basically. And so here's the funny thing. Caesar Augustus was told his entire life that he was the son of God. His dad was God, and he was the son of God. So when Jesus was born, he was shocked that there's another son of God. And here's the thing. If you look through the Bible and you look through the story, and in fact, you look through a lot of history books, one of the only places you'll find the name Caesar Augustus in history is in the sentence, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, introducing the real Son of God. Uh, Caesar Augustus was one of the most confused men on the planet. Maybe you're here today and you are Caesar. You think you're in charge. You think you're it. I want you to know you're not, but the story's for you. And my favorite character in this story, and the one that makes me feel the most peace and gives me the most faith, is Mary. 14 years old. What did Mary do? Who is Mary? In fact, she says it. Who am I that you would choose me to bear the Savior? And the answer is, No one. God just chooses you. You are married today. No reason for God to give you favor. No reason to give you mercy. But this is the good news of Jesus. Please don't get it confused with anything else that's said about Jesus. The good news is this, that it used to be you had to follow the rules, that you had to either be Jewish or really close to it to be God's people. It used to be that everything was about rules. But when God sent Jesus, the good news is not, doesn't look like the nativity scene. The good news is that it's real and that it's for everyone at any stage. I love this story. Next slide. 
And I just want to ask you today, and this is, this is what happened in history, and you're going to see it coming up. Jesus, of course, we know the story. For 30 years, he lived like a normal human for the most part. And for three years, from 30 to 33, he did things that were only God could do. He healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. And then he raised himself from the dead with this promise. This is the promise. That you could have life too. The thing that I'm most scared of in my life, it used to be the thing that, that I was most scared of personally was dying. I'll just be honest with you today. Preacher's not supposed to be scared of dying, but it's scary. The thing I used to be most scared of was dying, and then I had kids. It's not the thing I'm most scared of anymore. But it still has a lot to do with my fear. Jesus says, and this is where my faith comes in, Jesus says this, you don't ever have to be scared of death again. There's something waiting for you if you just hold on. Hold on. Here's the great news. You don't have to be anything more than you are today to have Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time because it's so simple and we've screwed it up. You, you don't have to be a rule follower. You don't have to be a rule follower. That's not the good news. The good news is better than that. The good news is that those of you who have broken rules and those of you who have given in to the sin in your life, this is for you. And the next step is even better. It's the freedom that comes with Jesus. That freedom that breaks that feeling that you have inside you, that pulls you from being who you want to be. That's the next step. That's the next part of the story. So as the band comes up today, I want to ask you this. What if it's true? Some of you, I know you're here and you're, some of you are going, I, it's still a nativity scene to me, but I want to give you an opportunity this morning to hit the ground with this thing today, to make it real in your life. What if it's true? What if you lived like this was true? What if you cared more about who you are and God than anything else? And what if you lived like, like you're in this story today? As I was preparing this this week, I've made this commitment to my family that I'm going to have my sermon written by Friday night. Now, I had Friday night bleed into Saturday morning at 1.30 or 2 in the morning. But so, so that Saturdays are free from any kind of work for work or for... Now, I've been doing plumbing and other things. But uh, from work for my job or from writing a sermon. And Friday, I, w- I was writing this, and it was late. And I just got this, this emotion well up in me. And it hit me hard. That I can put my name in the book. I saw Mick's name. I saw Susie's name. I put Dean and Sue in there, and I put Andy and Brenda and the obvious ones. And I looked at the book, and I went back to that first page, and my name wasn't there. I forgot about me. I think you, many of you, have forgotten that this isn't about church. This isn't about teaching Sunday school that it's about grace. I wrote my name in the book, and here's what happens. I was watching TV, and I had it on, and I had a certain news channel on that drives me up a wall, and it just was on, and it was giving news that I have, you know, it stirs me up, makes me mad inside. You know that feeling? I know you do. I've seen it on Facebook. 
It just makes you mad. And I, it was on the whole time, and I kept looking at it going, blah, 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 and then I write a little bit more. I wrote my name in that book, and I looked up, and it changed the way I felt. All of a sudden, my grace became grace for what was on the screen and the person that was on the screen. And here's, this is the great news for you today. It's free. The news of Jesus is for you. It's real. And here's the best news if you're a guy like me. It can change the way you live. It can change who you are. It can lead you to be who you've always wanted to be. The guy that you thought you were until one day your ex-wife reminded you that you weren't and it all came in the open. The woman that you always wanted to be. The peace, the hope, the joy that you've been striving for. It comes in glimpses even after you accept Jesus and you move down his path. But it's attainable, it's available, and it is the good news of Jesus. Okay, so here's what I've done. I've done my part today. And honestly, I'm kind of glad to get it over. Because <laughs> it's been weighing heavy on me all week. This is the story of Jesus. This is the message of Jesus. If today those of you who are here um, that have heard this words today would, would during this song, this song is um, basically giving your life to, to say, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to give you that opportunity to do it today. Some of you have, have never done this before. And you've said, I never understood the story. I'm praying for you that you did today. Would you choose to follow Jesus today? And then there are some of you, and I think this is the majority of us, who forgot the story. You've either been pretending, like the nativity scene. You've been treating the people around you like God cares most about rules. And you forgot to put your name in the story. Today's the opportunity for you. I'm gonna, usually I go back to that corner back there, and I'm not going to do it today. I've been planning this all week. I know. Ooh. I'm going to sit right down here in the front. Because when you decide that you actually understand the Jesus thing for the first time, you don't want to go to the back. You want to move up. You want to go to the front. And I'm hoping that today, many of you will. Baptistry's warm, and most of the scum is off of it. It's ready for you today. Would you stand with us and sing? I have decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turn. Before me, 
world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Well, I have decided. today um, make a decision I'm these aren't mine <clears throat> uh, these are going to be thrown away it's not the cigarettes is it it's not the cigarettes it, it's the it's the problem it's that it, it, we aren't who we want to be and I want to let you know today that doing life together that holding on together that that's the story of Jesus. And today, if you struggle with whatever, it's keeping you from being who God intended for you to be. The message of Jesus is you don't have to anymore. The end of Paul's sentence, he says, I, I want to be who I want to be, and I can't be, and I keep trying to be. And then he says, but thank God for Jesus who freed me from that. Now I'm going back to that corner. If you'd like to pray with me today and you'd like to hand me something. I, I'm not taking this. I'm handing it to God today. <laughs> we want to give you the opportunity today to claim Christmas in April. Stand with us. Or you can stay seated.